Welcome back to wherever you may be, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. As always, I'm joined by Chris. Chris, how are you feeling today? You all good? Good today. Uh, I've got I've got COVID finally. This is like <laughs> first time in the whole pandemic, but um, I'm actually uh, absolutely fine to be honest. Good. Not I'm glad bad. you're feeling glad you're feeling okay. Um, it's been a good weekend, I think, for Chelsea. Um, if there was ever a football match that the saying a game of two halves was relevant to it was probably Burnley Chelsea wasn't it yeah there's there's been a lot of that going around um yeah I think it was it was just a matter of sort of weathering the storm in that first half and uh and then kind of showing our class after in the second half I think there's been a lot of performances like that under Tuchel I think he's one of those managers who kind of if it's not going right he gets them in at half time and quite can quite often set them on the right path, which is a mm. trait that um, I always remember Mourinho having during his his second spell. There would often be games where they weren't playing particularly well in the first half, and then they'd go in at halftime, come out a completely different mm. team. And I think that's um, that's what we saw on Saturday. I actually didn't watch the game. I was at a baby shower, and I was trying so badly to like watch it like under the table, like without getting caught and being rude. Um, but convincing in the end. And when Kai Havertz starts up front for Chelsea in that number nine position, we seem to score goals. Yeah, I think finally we're seeing kind of consistently the the, the level that he can play at. And I think um, it'd been kind of a mystery, like where where and when exactly that would happen, like what his best position is. But um, I think he is demonstrating that uh, as a essentially an out-and-out striker. I think we've previously called him a false nine. I think he basically plays as a centre-forward. Um, that does work for him. Um, and I think now we're seeing almost his full potential, definitely in terms of uh, goal-scoring output, um, running, passing. I've, all I want to see now is the kind of the flair and the swagger added back to his game, which he had in his time at Leverkusen that I don't think we have quite seen to the same level at Chelsea. Um, and I think it was maybe a matter of yeah, adapting to the Premier League, adapting to the physicality and, and kind of rediscovering his confidence just as a as an attacking player, because I think he's been sort of in and out of the team. Tuchel, Tuchel's always been keen to rotate, but now it feels like he's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. So um, it's, it's, his confidence will be sky high and I'm sure he'll start kind of adding those more kind of um, flary elements back to his game, hopefully anyway. Hopefully, yeah, definitely. I actually put him in my FPL team this week, which I was very happy about. Although I was so hung over on um, on Saturday morning that I took <laughs> a poll on my Instagram to like, pick my captain and it was between like Ollie Watkins and Havertz and then I'd realised I'd done it after. Friday night, yeah. <laughs> so, I saw that. I was so close to captaining him as well. Um, but last time I captained him, um, it was 7-0 against Norwich at Stamford Bridge and he was the only Chelsea player that didn't return at all. So um, you said there, Chris, it seems to work for Havertz in that number nine. It seems to work for all of our attackers with Havertz in that nine. Chelsea just seem a lot more fluid. Like the relationships between the players are there. It just feels like at the moment that that's Chelsea's best attacking option as a number nine over Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, um, 
we've sort of seen Christian Pulisic come into form out of nowhere as well. And obviously previously Hakim, Hakim Ziyech before he was injured. It is interesting. I think maybe it points to the players trying too hard when Lukaku was on the pitch to play a certain way. When Havertz is maybe... It might, it may even just be a misconception. Like maybe they just think he's he's capable of doing both. He's capable of being the big man, but also running and and using spaces and yeah. um, carrying the ball himself and being more technical on the ball than perhaps Lukaku would be. Uh, which I think we saw a few times, especially in the the League Cup final. Yeah. Um, but equally, yeah, I think they're they're maybe just getting it wrong and overthinking it because Lukaku is capable of a lot of that. I would say Havertz is better on the ball ball and ball carrying, but he's shown at Inter and uh, other times this season that if you hit him with his back to goal, he he will make the runs from deep and he can provide a threat as almost like a late runner into the box. Mm. Um, In the, the games where he was struggling kind of between Christmas and when he dropped out of the team, I think, um, we just weren't playing in the right way to him. But again, now it's working with Havertz. Like, why would you change it? You know what I mean? I think he's well, he's now found a, a something that works. I don't know what you think. But. Yeah, um, I struggle. I'm struggling to see how, which games Lukaku comes back in for. When you've got someone like Kai Havertz, who, you know, has struggled this season in terms of like, you know, like you say, being consistent, being fit. And now he's back in the team and he's scoring goals and that attack just seems so more fluid. I don't see how Lukaku gets back in the team. Although when you look ahead to Norwich away on Thursday, you know, you could see, could you see Lukaku coming in and, and playing that game? You know, bottom or second to bottom in the league, Norwich are. And, you know, when, yeah. you know we, we, we know what Lukaku can do. We saw it against Liverpool, I think. Um, would you be surprised if he brings in Lukaku for that game? No, I, w- I wouldn't be. I, I wrote... Um... A predicted lineup earlier, and I, I had him in there. I, I just think over yeah, Havertz altogether. Over Havertz, oh. purely based on yeah, as you say, fixtures coming up. We've got Newcastle on Sunday, who are kind of unbeaten, and I'm not sure how many games now, but they're on a decent run of form. Yeah, yeah. So that actually becomes quite a big game. Um, and uh, I just think yeah, it, like the FA Cup last week when we saw those sort of more fringy players come in. I think. Tuka will use to, uh, sorry Thursday as an opportunity to do a similar thing, and I think that's probably the right thing. Like we should we should win almost regardless of the team we mm. put out. Um, I know, yeah, yeah. I know under the lights away from home is is not as mm. simple, but bear in mind we have three substitutes. If it's not going right, that that's what those three players are for, and and we can have some real real firepower coming off the bench if he chooses. That and I'd also like to see Timo Werner as I think a lot of a lot of Chelsea fans would um, given him. a chance and I think that would make sense again if if uh, Chris and Pulisic is rested because Pulisic has been in great form but maybe again he 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 has a habit of getting injured of of sort of running out of steam to me bottom club away it strikes me as a good opportunity to give some players I some think. minutes who really need it. Uh, Timo Werner, by the way, I know we haven't seen a lot of him this season, but that I know it's only Luton, but if you take the the opposition out of the way, the, the ball from Ruben, who by the way was brilliant in that game, but the touch and finish was class from Timo Werner, and that's what I thought we were getting when we signed him a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's what everyone thought we were getting. Um, <laughs> but he's got that it, in him, that composed, yeah. 
like in that in that situation, we've seen him mess up multiple chances in that position. So to bring the ball down like that and calmly just slot it past the keeper is exactly what we want to see from him, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. and he was involved in all all three goals in that mm. game, um, and got off the bench against Burnley. So this is what I mean. Like Timo Werner, when when he plays, he more often than not gets a goal or an assist, and it's no surprise last season that he got twenty seven goals and assists across the season. Mm. And yeah, big ones as well in big games. Yeah, I think we've spoken before about um, wanting to see kind of how he could combine with Lukaku, and I thought. Uh, the Luton game was obviously, as you say, it was only Luton, but it's a good example of, of how what that could produce. He got the goal and an assist. Um, Lukaku seems to enjoy playing with him, close to him. Um, but yeah, now we have this issue of, of Kai Havertz being in sort of untouchable form. So mm. in the bigger games, I can't really see Tuchel making that change. He He will be very aware that Havertz is sort of developing into a very effective Premier League forward um, mm. and we all know kind of what he's capable of we we knew he's kind of signed a prodigy at the time we know he hasn't mm. like quite lived up to that yet but he's still so young that the potential is huge so Tuchel definitely won't want to stand in the way of that and I, I'm kind mm. of glad he's not I, I I wanted to see more of Havertz I think we all did maybe yeah. in those periods where he's not been playing he's such mm. uh, He's got such exciting potential and he is such a big game player for us as well. Um, so, yeah, and I think there there are two big victims of that and they are Team Havana and Romelu Lukaku. And, and it's going to take, it feels as though it's going to take something kind of more extraordinary for them to to dislodge him again because Lukaku was straight back on the bench, wasn't he, uh, on Saturday, didn't get off the bench. So, again... Rotation and resting, I think that, that's when we'll see them, but they're going to need to really take the opportunity. Yeah, and I think Thomas Tuchel's in. It's a good, it's a nice position to be in, isn't it? You know, you, you, you main, or your striker sort of playing well, so you don't know whether to change him. But we'll get onto Chelsea's fixtures in a minute, but it feels like the perfect run of games to be rotating. Um, Chelsea got a pretty good run of fixtures. We'll talk about that in terms of the race for the top four in a second. But Reese James, first start in two, three months, whatever it was. An unbelievable goal turned about eight Burnley players inside out. An assist as well. How I know we spoke about how good it is to have him back, um, but he just makes the biggest amount of difference on that right-hand side. And I keep telling people, I know obviously the season's like, oh, if buts or maybes. And I think I said it on the pod last time, if, if, if Chelsea didn't lose their two most important players in terms of the system that they play, Chelsea would still be in a title race. And I stand by that. Um but how just to have him back, have him start and get getting taken off and rested for the last twenty minutes, just to keep him fresh is going. He's going to be really important going forward, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, Thomas Tuchel is such a big fan of his, and I think the fans Everybody. are as well. Yeah, I think like he's he's. I mean, obviously Mason Mount has been incredible. But he's he's edging towards being kind of one of our best ever academy products. Do you know um, what I said ages ago? Someone asked me asked me the question who I thought out of the academy products would go the furthest or go on to become the biggest star. And I hate to say it, but I said Reese James. So ah, There you go. Great shout. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, he's, he, what is, uh, Mason Mount is consistent. And obviously your job is different as a, as a midfielder and as an attacking midfielder. Mm. Um, but what, I think I've said this, I've said this before, but what, what makes a world-class player world-class 
is the consistency and being mm. able to do it week in, week out, regardless of the opposition, defensively and offensively as, as a wing back. And Reese James does that. Um, he's been out for ages, come back and is performing in exactly the same way, which is remarkable, really. And to be as good as he is going forward, um, I know he used to be a striker, but like he his finishing ability and his technique and composure, uh, as you say, to to leave half the, the Burnley defence on their arse um, and score uh, is something you never expect to see from a, a def- essentially a defensive player. Um, and it, yeah, his shooting technique is as good as any midfielders. I and mean, obviously he's played in midfield as well, but um, it's such a useful weapon to have uh, coming from the back, especially against... Um, kind of relatively weak opposition in in like Burnley for example it's like having Mm. another attacker coming from right at the back uh to sport attacks and he he still contributes loads of goals as well so um yeah he's going to be hugely important and I agree that having both of them would have made kind of probably about six points difference and by which stage we'd be four off Liverpool sort of thing so yeah, uh, it's a shame the way that that has that has unfolded. But um, I think I don't know about you, but I feel apart from Europe, um, I don't see them getting caught in in third. I don't see us catching Liverpool necessarily. So it's quite nice we can focus on the cup competitions almost. But Premier League wise, I'm not. I'm like, it's a bit weird at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's difficult to know because a lot of teams haven't played the same amount of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when we went to the Club World Cup and obviously didn't play for a couple of weeks, I know a lot of the teams below us were dropping points. And it, it's still the sort of same, really. When I look at the table now, obviously Arsenal are fourth, but we don't need to really worry about the team that's fourth. We need to worry about the team that's fifth. And that currently is Man United, who are six points off us and we've got two games in hand. So mm-hmm. you would you would think, I mean, Spurs will probably be the next best when they've played their games, but we know when Spurs have had games in hand in the past, they haven't actually made up any points. So mm. it's such a difficult, at the moment, looking at the Premier League table, it's so difficult to call. I think you're right. I think Chelsea will be fine. And in terms of our fixtures, um, Norwich away, Newcastle at home. I'm talking Premier League now. We've obviously got Lille mm. in the Champions League and Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. And then we've got Brentford, Southampton, Leeds. So that's a really nice run of fixtures now that... I would like to think Chelsea will get close to maximum points um, like in because then when it gets to the final five games of the season, when they've got we've got West Ham, Everton, Wolves, Man United and Watford, hopefully top four will be almost wrapped up and we won't need to win every one of those games. Perhaps even gift Frank Lampard a win at Goodison. I would be open to that if Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we kind of paid for having... The, the trade-off was having that difficult run over Christmas, mm. even though well, even though games that weren't difficult, they weren't winning necessarily, mm. um, and into the new year. So that is out of the way. Thankfully, that that is the trade-off. So yeah, I think it, Tuchel will, will will like it because it will mean he can hopefully focus on a run deep mm. into the Champions League, and um, obviously, yeah, the FA Cup as well is is still up for grabs. So um, yeah, hopefully that just smoothens everything else out, mm-hmm. gives him a chance to give lots of players minutes and, and have key players rested for the big games when when required. We're in a very good position in the... I mean, not very good, obviously, I'd prefer to be higher up the table, <laughs> but as in, in terms of, you know, 
the danger of being dragged into a top four race, I don't think that that is going to happen, um, luckily. Um, well, over the past week, um, some big news came out. Roman Abramovich came out and said he was selling, he was deciding to sell Chelsea. Um, I was really sad when I heard this news, Krish. I don't know about you. I just, yeah, it just felt like, it just feels like the end of, of the best era that I could have ever imagined being or feeling a part of. Um, winning things I never thought we'd win, winning things I never thought we'd win twice, being able to witness incredible moments, um, players, managers. It's just, I don't know, I feel I feel really sad about it. How how are you feeling? I agree. I, I know exactly what you mean. I think you, you have to, separating the whole situation was obviously mm-hmm. incredibly difficult, but, and mm-hmm. away from um, who he is and who he might be associated with, what he has done for Chelsea has been remarkable and it has, mm-hmm. has taken them to a place that, seemed impossible um mm. t- uh 20 or so years ago um and yeah he, he's changed Chelsea forever I think regardless of who takes over next um Chelsea will remain uh one of the the biggest clubs in the the top clubs in the country best performing mm-hmm. clubs in Europe um all being well uh so yeah in, in that sense yeah is is a very abrupt end to a very important period in in Chelsea's history and there's there's no way of that um of that not being difficult especially for fans um and uh it's an incredibly difficult situation and one that is going to take a while to work out obviously we have no idea currently who who will be kind of stepping in but um he leaves. He leaves the club in good stead, and uh, that's, I guess, all you could ask as uh, as a supporter. Um, I guess, yeah. We we the next appointment is is important, and um, as supporters, we need to be kind of seems to be that we're moving into a, a kind of new era where it's important to be aware of of what your owner is involved in. Obviously, we saw the backlash that that Newcastle had with their takeover definitely don't really want a similar thing surrounding Chelsea when when that happens um so yeah hopefully um he he clearly cares deeply about the club and I think he sounds like he's going to be involved in in who he passes over to so in that in that sense I hope he makes the right choice it's clearly not going to be purely motivated by money so I think what the fans want is for the club not to be weakened and and in a position where they can't keep players or can't afford to keep themselves at the level that they're at now um so yeah i think those should be the main concerns but obviously someone someone who cares as much about the club um just as a person will be the the most important thing that's what i was going to say you know when you just think about roman abramovich the owner of chelsea football club um it really felt like he just loved the club. It didn't ever feel like he was just the owner. It felt like he was such a big part of it. Obviously, when he could be here, he was at the training ground. He's at the, you know, watching training, getting all excited at games. And I think that's the one thing with, I know Roman Abramovich is obviously going to have a big say in who he sells to. I know he will try and keep the club in the best hands possible, but it's, that's what, is, is it worrying, Krish, that we might not get that, especially when you look at other Premier League clubs and the way they're ran by certain owners? It, it's worrying that something like that could happen to Chelsea as well. Of course, yeah. It's it's an unsettling time. Obviously, we've had um, 
years and years of security and and we're not used to to upheaval um so it, that in itself will take take some adapting to um i'm not deeply concerned because i feel as though the the kind of decision makers at the top whoever comes in must surely know what what it will be expected in a way um and it's a, a, a kind of you have to be careful about what precedent you sent in terms of your outlook and the way you're going to run things. It would be mm-hmm. silly to see the way that Chelsea's been run and think that you can go in there and then completely change it and expect that to be smooth at mm. kind of every every level almost. Um, yeah. That could easily affect the manager, that could easily affect the players and those at board level and the trustees, etc. Um, so it has to be handled sensitively and and yeah all you can all you can really hope is that there is someone out there who who does uh who will take um a kind of hands-on approach and and, um has that affection for the club um but i mean yeah you can't make any guarantees that they're going to find that but yeah as long as it's not too chaotic um I think personally, I'll, I'll be satisfied. I don't know how you feel. <laughs> Chelsea Football Club and too chaotic. I, they go together quite well, to be honest. So I don't, yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be a very stress-free uh, sort of time. But I'm sure, you know, Roman Abramovich has always made the decisions with the club's best interests at heart. And I'm sure he will do the same in terms of finding someone to sell to. Um, we've got issues off the pitch as well, Krish, in terms of players' contracts and a couple of key defenders. We know Thiago Silva's obviously staying on for another year, thank God. Um, but it looks like we may have already lost one centre-back on a free in the summer. Andreas Christensen looks like he is heading to Barcelona, still only 25 years old, leaving on a free. It feels like we've messed up a little bit here. Yeah, we shouldn't be in this situation, should we? It's, yeah. It, um, to have someone yeah who hasn't necessarily even reached their peak as a centre-back yet has been playing so consistently over the last year is um isn't great although as I understand it like back last summer he changed agent and there was an offer on the table and then when um he changed agent he changed his demands and then was was Mm -hmm. sanctioned off the back of that when he was dropped Mm -hmm. so I suppose you have to respect Tuchel and the club for kind of sticking to their guns in that in that sense but i'm i'm quite surprised that we haven't managed to to find an agreement with a, an academy product number one and i mean a player who could eat who i mean already is in sort of like probably the top 20 center backs around mm. um and a player who's who's got the potential to be one of the very best and i think he'll really suit la liga as well i think one of the criticisms has always been his physicality here mm. but i mean he in a three, it works well for him because he doesn't necessarily always have to be the most physical, but his ball-playing ability is so good. Um, and he's just very good at reading the game on the ground. Yeah, um, Yeah. so it's a big loss. And obviously, to what is essentially a European rival, I suppose, as well. Um, I don't know. It, you just feel like the money was there and we've we've kind of make, made this decision. Um, I don't know if it will backfire or not. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm not... I mean... When you've got Trevor Chalaba coming in and he's been brilliant as he has been, I'm not in t- I'm not too worried. The thing that worries me is the potential of losing both Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger. That is a situation we 
just cannot let happen, especially, I know you're saying Christensen's been playing consistently for however many years, but Antonio Rudio this last two years has just been out of this world. He gets into every single Premier League team, I think. Um, and most teams in, in Europe now, we're letting Christensen go, it looks like, we cannot be letting Antonio Rudiger go as well. Is it a case of just giving him what he wants? Um, yeah, I mean, I think he is worth it now, isn't he? Um, obviously, uh, yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of, of the negotiations. Um, I'm, I must say I'm sort of resigned to losing both of them and as Piliqueta now, to be honest, from what I hear, um, which is, yeah, as you say, massive blow. Um, obviously, you'd expect them to be very active in, in the transfer window, but when you've had these players for so many years and there's a familiarity about them and we've seen them develop into into top players, it, it makes it harder and makes it worse in a way that we've allowed ourselves to get into this position where we have three regularly starting defenders who play for in one of the best defences in the world, all out of contract, and two of them probably going to the same place. Um, yeah, I mean, you just feel that a lot of this should have been sorted out at least a year ago, um, probably in the summer after the Champions League victory. They could have seen the potential of, of what this team are capable of under, under Tuchel um, mm. and backed him in a different way by by kind of locking down these players' futures. Yeah. Um, I think we'll we'll probably sign one centre-back in Jules Koundé, who is an excellent mm -hmm. player, so that, that makes it less of a worry. But, yeah, to lose Rudiger, who is such a key part of the main back three, I think. I think kind of we seem to rotate one option, but it's him and Thiago Silva. They are the, the guaranteed starters, the absolute rocks in that team. That leads us, I mean, just thinking ahead to next season, obviously, we don't know if we're going to lose all three of them. But if you do lose all three of them, you're losing, you know, a man that can play right back, right wing back and right and right of the three in Azpilicueta. You, you, you're losing someone that starts every single game in that left centre-back position and someone that comes in and plays brilliantly. Now, where do you see this defence? That leaves us short at the back. It leaves us really short at the back when you think about it. Like I, I think yeah. it would be silly for us to let all three of them go, unless they're planning on bringing in not just Jules Kunde but another couple. Mm. I know. Or, I, I, I think Caliber maybe bringing Levi Colwell or someone like that back. Yeah. yeah. So that I've I've heard that could be a possibility. Um, I mean, yeah, these are young players. I mean, obviously, we, we've put trust in young players before. I mean, yeah, I think I would expect them to sign another centre-back and maybe a, a wing-back alongside. Um, because, yeah, the, the Reese James's workload will be huge if if that is kind of what happens as expected. Mm. Um, and, yeah, uh, Trevor Shalibur, to be honest, he's, he's, he's excellent. He's, he's been so good mm. every time he's played. So I think he has proven this season that he's ready to to fill one of those gaps if we continue with with three at the back um but yeah it, it creates issues further down the line because in in the next couple of years we're going to be spending potentially over 100 million on on center backs alone because Thiago Silva will be going in no! the not too different future but ho no! hopefully we get hopefully he does signs another one year deal but you can't hold your breath on that sort of thing so mm. yeah long term um this 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 could really cost us. Um, 
at least, yeah, Rudiger seems like he's gone about it in a respectful way and, and Chelsea just aren't willing to pay him what he mm. wants. But I can't say I fully understand it from either of their perspectives. I know a lot of top clubs are always going to be attractive options, but I think what is being built at Chelsea at the moment kind of almost outweighs that. But yeah, you can't, you can never put yourselves in there, yourself in their shoes and fully understand what's going through their minds, I suppose. Mm. But um Hopefully we keep hold of one of them, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if we were to keep hold of one, surely Rudiger would be the one. I feel like Azpilicueta's been a great servant, been a great captain, won it all. And I don't think anyone would be particularly, not bothered is the right word, but particularly begrudged if he was to go to Barcelona or go back to Spain or whatever. So it's definitely an interesting time for Chelsea Football Club, as it always is being a fan of Chelsea Football Club. It's never boring. That's one thing we can say. Um, Chris, thank you so much. As always, I hope you're not feeling better, but I hope you recover from COVID. Um, We've, of course, got a big game against Norwich um, coming up on Thursday. Hopefully another win would be nice and to just sort of get that third place um, cemented. Um, but that is all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening. If you could drop us a review, it would be very much appreciated. Subscribe if you haven't already and if you've enjoyed what you heard. And we'll see you all next time here on Wherever You May Be.